0: We are so glad you've joined us today for our Tuesday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's listen in now to Pastor Dave.
1: And so a lot is required from you. So know that. And you wonder why God might have Uh, kind of a a short reign on your life, and yet you see somebody else doing something and, and for some reason you don't see that tugging from the Lord. And you're thinking, that's not fair. What's not fair? I want to get to know the Lord. I want to know God's will. I want to know how to do right and what it is he's called me to do. And that is in a much better place to be than someone out there that's just ignorant. God doesn't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to draw close to him, to be a greater light for him. And he doesn't want you to tarnish that light. So because of that, when, when it starts to go into that gray area, he's going, huh, no, 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 no. I have called you to be this bright light. I have shown myself greatly to you. And so when it comes to Israel here, he's like saying, huh, you know better than this. This is not what you're supposed to do. Verse 16, so when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned as a trespass offering to the Lord one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ekron. That completes this Tuesday edition of
0: Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join uh, us Wednesday as we continue our study in First
1: Samuel. Fall is here, they left. which means it's they time stay for our there annual and watch harvest festival on October thirty first. And, and then all of a sudden, Calvary Burn Castle the Wood will be hosting a wonderful free event for the whole
0: family. They didn't do that; the they were we'll waiting until games, now. We know that's where it belongs, strikers, and they're gonna leave. Painting, it gave us a little summary of really quick, and once they
1: pulled the and course, saw it, they gathered around and, they grabbed the ark and. So put it on come a rock on out and join as us well as the chest from four to eight p.m. October thirty first. We are located right off I twenty five and East Wolfensburger Road. And behind jack-in-the-box
0: and, and the shell gas it station a lot of
1: time. And if so you'd they like were more information and please Shemesh. visit our
0: website that, at calvarycr.com and all this other stuff that's calvarycr.com that or you can call our church office that, at 303-663-2514 it says, the golden
1: rats, according to the thank of all you the again for of the listening in today and until, five, until our next time together we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the word of god on which they set the ark of the Lord, which stone remains this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. And so um, this obviously was some very prominent rock. I don't know if that's still around or not. Uh, It would seem to me that uh, it probably is somewhere, that they maybe know where that is. Verse 19, Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh, because they had looked into the ark of the Lord, and he struck 50,070 men of the people, and the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. The word struck there, again, circle that. Same word as the other times it said struck or smite. Or, And the men of Bethshemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Holy Lord God? You can't. You can't. You can only stand before him in the way that was provided for you. And you're not supposed to stand before the Ark of the Covenant without the tabernacle. And you're not supposed to stand before the Ark of the Covenant without it being behind the the Holy of Holies. And here's the thing, you as a normal person who is not a priest and is not a high priest, you shouldn't be standing in front of it at all. Now granted, when it came to carrying it out, you had to be a Levitical priest. And so Levitical priests have shown up here or are going to show up here and, uh, and handle the ark as they should, but they shouldn't have allowed for this worship to continue with these female cows, and they should have taken it immediately and brought it back to the tabernacle. They need to put it somewhere and carry it the proper way, not on a cart. This is what they should have done. And so the men yell who is able to stand before the Holy Lord God? The men of Beth Shemesh, are they the ones that yelled this out? I was just told 50,070 men of the people were just killed. How many men are left there Beth Shemesh? How big is Beth Shemesh? Remember, seven months earlier, they just lost 30,000 men in battle. Beshemesh was a very small village. Where are all these men coming from? And it says, so they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim saying the Philistines have brought back the Ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up with you. I'm going to tell you how he just killed all these people. And so that's exactly what they do. And it says, then the men of Kirjath Jearim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abin- uh, Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. It's going to end up being there for the next twenty years, by the way. And so we look at this and we just kind of go, "Huh, interesting." Well, in Numbers chapter one, it tells us this: "You shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony." over all its furnishings, over all the things that belong to it. They should carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They shall attend to it and camp around the tabernacle. That's what the Levites are supposed to do. And when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to set up, the Levites shall set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. In Numbers chapter 4, verse 5, it says, When the camp prepares to journey, Aaron and his son shall come. They shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. The ark is to be covered when it's in transport. It's not to be uncovered. The Levites know this. The Levites know this. Verse 16 of Numbers 4, it says, The appointed duty of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, is the oil for the light, the sweet incense, the daily grain offering, the anointing oil, the oversight of all the tabernacle, of all that is in it with the sanctuary and its furnishings, that would be the high priest, Eleazar. Samuel's now the high priest. He's the one that should be notified of what's going on here. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying in Numbers four seventeen, do not cut off the tribe of the family of the, uh, of the Kohathites from among the Levites, and do not... But do this in regard to them, that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy things. And Aaron and his sons shall go in and appoint each of them to his service and task, but they shall not go in to watch while the holy things are being covered lest they die. So not only are are, uh, uh, the uh, rest of Israel not supposed to see it or die, but even the 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 those that were also priests but did service jobs, they didn't do the other priestly duties, they weren't supposed to see it either. So here you see the men, they see it there. A Levite should have been uh, notified immediately. He should have come and covered the Ark of the Covenant immediately. The thought behind this is that as they're celebrating and word is getting out, which is taking hours, maybe days have gone by and celebration is taking place and people are drinking and quite possibly as they're drinking, someone says, hey, you want to go look at the Ark? I dare you to look inside. You know, I mean, I don't know. But they looked inside. You're not even supposed to look at it. And they looked inside. Now, let me ask you, why did God strike them dead for looking inside the ark? Because I got to tell you something. I believe that it symbolically speaks to us of what happens when we go before a holy God without the blood of Jesus Christ taking away our sin. Because the Ark of the Covenant is the place where God resides. It's called the mercy seat. The lid to the Ark is the mercy seat of God. It speaks of the very presence of God. You have two cherubim on each side, and there's the presence of God. And there's a lid, and the lid is covering something. What is it covering? What's inside the Ark? The law, the Ten Commandments. What does the law do? It judges us. It points to death. But it's covered by a mercy seat. What is God's mercy? Well, on the uh, Day of Atonement, you would go and you would take the blood of lambs and bulls and you would take the blood and you would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. To cover the sins of Israel by the blood. When Jesus died, his blood, there's a reason why the veil was torn in two. Because the priesthood doesn't need to do that anymore. Because it's now it's the blood of Jesus Christ that takes away the sin of mankind once for all. If you read in Hebrews, there's no more blood animal sacrifice. It's once for all. So when you remove that lid, you're removing God's provision, His mercy of blood taking away judgment. And you take that away, you're face to face with God's judgment, which means what? Death. Why would you take that away? Because the people didn't understand. You cannot look in the face of God's judgment. Without the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ and being sinless in his presence, he is holy, you are not. The wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, the Lord. He's given us this gift to where now I can go boldly into his throne room, it says in Hebrews. I got bound right into the throne room. Why? Because Jesus is inside of me. I'm a child of God. He's my father. It's one of the reasons why Jesus says you can call him Abba, Father, Daddy. I've mentioned this before, you you know, my kids can interrupt me at any time. When I'm studying, in my study, they can come in at any time. There's no do not disturb, dad in deep prayer. No, they can come in at any time. They can always interrupt me. You know why? Because I can do that with my father. I can do that with my heavenly father. But here's the thing, your kids cannot. (laughs) You got that? Love your kids. They're not my kids. So they can't just bound into my study anytime or anything like that. No, no, no. My kids can. You know what? They're my kids. I am now a child of God. I can bound into his throne room anytime, anytime. And I love that. And so because of that, I want my kids to understand I'm just trying to portray to you what, what is portrayed to me in my father's house. I can just go and say, hey, 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 God. Hey, can I talk to you here for a few minutes and let me pray and things like that? And he doesn't put up the do not disturb sign. I'm not going to do that either. And I never have. I never have. And so, we understand when you remove the mercy seat, you're removing God's mercy. You know the difference between grace and mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve, which is hell, death. And grace is getting something you don't deserve. Heaven. Salvation. Eternity. So, mercy removes what you do deserve. And then you get something that you don't deserve, which is heaven. And so, removing God's mercy means you now get what you deserve that's death. Don't ever be praying for justice in this life. In a situation, I always pray, Lord, I pray that truth would be made known. But I never pray for justice, I don't. Because I don't want justice in my life, I don't want what I deserve, I want His mercy. I'm going to grab hold of his grace. I, I, I don't want it. I don't want justice. I want truth to be made known in this situation. I could be praying about something in the news and it just doesn't seem things are going right. I just pray, Lord, I pray for truth. I just pray for truth. Truth to be made known. We can go from there. Now, there's a few things here that I'd like to discuss about the amount of people that is spoken of here about how in verse 19 it says, and he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck 50,070 men of the people. And the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. Um, I personally believe that that is exactly what it is. 50,070 men have been struck. There's been many other you know, uh, versions of the Bible that have been written that just say 70 men of 50,000, and they will try and downplay this number a bit. But I think the number is absolutely correct. It's God's word. But what we don't know about this number of exactly of how it's actually calculated of what this could mean. Does this mean that 50,000 and 70 men of Besh Shemesh were killed? Because we know that at that time of Beth Shemesh, there were not 50,070 men of Beth Shemesh at that time. That would mean that there's at least 150,000, including women, and you add children to that, and you would be talking that Beth Shemesh is 300,000 people. It's never been that much. It's never been that much. So is the Bible wrong? It's not wrong at all. It's not wrong at all. It's interesting that the Old Testament writers, the number of men, soldiers, or people, that in the Hebrew, what will happen here is, is first normally expressed by the number in question. And so it will say two, five, nine, 5, uh, the placement value of the number. So if you want to say uh, 200, you would say 2, meaning there's 2, and then you would have 100 after that so 100. So you would know that that's 200. You'd have two first, and then you'd have the the next number being 100. And then you would read that as 200 men. And so the placement value of the number is what comes second. So if you want 2,000, you'd have the number two in Hebrew, and then you'd have the word thousand. So you'd know it's 2,000. If you wanted 20,000, you'd have two and then 10,000. And you'd know it's two, 10, 000, so it's 20,000. The number and its placement value are then followed in sequence by the subject being numbered, like men or people or soldiers, etc. Those things, the number, the placement value, and the subject are taken as one set. For instance, if you want to say 200,000 men and 3,000 soldiers in Hebrew, it would be written like men were 200,000, soldiers were 3,000, is how that would read. In some cases, the set will be reversed. In other words, the subject being numbered will be followed by the number and the placement value. First 1 Samuel 11.8 is an example of this, where the writer states that the men of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah three ten thousand, expressing the idea of men of Israel being 300,000 and the men of Judah being 30,000. In First Samuel 6.19, there's something unusual about this number rather than the number reading 50 10,000 7 10 men which would read 50,070 men the verse reads 7 10 men 50 10,000 men and so it literally is translated 70 men 50,000 men and so there is a um There's a difference here to make the impression to convey two different sets of men. There's a set of 70, and then there's a set of 50,000. And so the unusual nature of this verse may account for the reason there are so many varied translations of it, but the translation is still correct. It's it's 50,070 men is what we're being talked about here. But there's a differentiation between the 70 and the 50,000. The totality is still 50,070 men of what we're talking here. But there has been a, a, a way that this has been put together that is going to convey two different sets of men that the 70 are not the same as the 50,000. And so what do I mean by this? I'm, I mean this. There could quite possibly what is being said here is that there were 70 men in Beth Shemesh that were killed because of this. And now they're lumped into the other 50,000 that God has judged in, in, uh, with the Philistines. And that could go all the way back to when this all started in Aphek, when they first had a battle and 4,000 Israelites died, and then 30,000, which the Israelites saw as a judgment from God. Why did God do this? They've been judged by God. 34,000 men have died. And now it's there in the Philistine land, and we're not told the number of how many people are, have died there because of the tumors and the disease that came. And so it could be another 16,000 died there because of the judgment of God. And now the the, the cart of Beth Shemesh, uh, the cart goes back to Beth Shemesh and the people that gathered there, they open the uh, lid and look inside and God kills another 70 there as well. So the total since this judgment began back in chapter 4 would be 50,070 men. That's very much a possibility of what's being said here. What's very interesting here is that we seem to assume that the word smote or smitten or slaughter and things like that means death. And it doesn't. The word here smote in first Samuel six nineteen is the Hebrew word nakah. Naka can mean to kill, to put to death, but it could also mean to hit, to beat, to cast forth, to touch. So it doesn't necessarily have to mean kill, but it means God has done something there. He's touched. In, in uh, um, 1 Samuel 5, 6, the Bible states that God smote Nakah, the people of Ashdod with agonizing tumors. It doesn't say that they were all killed, but only that they were supernaturally struck smote, naka with some sort of painful tumors. Furthermore, in 5.12, it says, it distinguishes between those who are actually killed by God and those who are only plagued or smitten with tumors, and yet the word is the same, smitten is the word naka. Same word as the word smote in, in uh, chapter 6, verse 19, as well as in 5, verse 6. And so, it's fairly easy to see that Nikah does not mean physical death in every instance, and the, and the same could be said in the case of 619. So now, if that's the case, then 50,000 and 70 men, the 70 men were smote, were actually killed, along with the judgment of the other 50,000, that now can be a combination of those who were actually killed and those who suffered from tumors but didn't actually die from it, but it was actually uh, um, uh, still a judgment from God. So that number could be played around with many different ways, but the number is absolutely true. 50,070 men were judged. To which some were killed, and maybe some just suffered from tumors and, and then maybe survived from that later on. Or it could be they all were killed, and it could speak of, all the way back in chapter four when this judgment began by God with the Israelites as well as the Philistines as well as the people there in Beth Shemesh. Are you following me? Okay. Um, because God does not ask us to have blind faith. We do know that Beth Shemesh did not have that many people. It couldn't have. It couldn't have. There's other ways that people answer it. They said, you know, there are a lot of surrounding cities. I understand that that also were small of three, five, six hundred people. They didn't have 50, 80, hundred thousands in these towns. You still can't get that number of just men from Beth Shemesh. You just can't. And so I believe that the number is absolutely correct. But it's written in a such a way that it could be speaking of the 70 men are set aside for the ones there in Beth Shemesh, and the other 50,000 have now been grouped together also to make a distinction. And I think that distinction can be made that that's speaking of all the judgment that has been happening probably over the last eight months at this time frame. And so this is, um, uh, again... Uh, and, oh and, and something else here too is the word slaughter there in uh, verse 19 uh, because he struck the people with the great slaughter the word slaughter there is a is a word macaw and it also means to blow it means to beat it means to wound or to plague It doesn't mean that it means for sure to the point of death it doesn't mean that it doesn't need to mean to physically, and so we'll end with that I was a little bit longer here tonight let's pray
0: that's it for another edition of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love Senior Pastor of Calvary Casera. if you've missed any of these teachings and would like to catch up You can download our free mobile app. It's a great way to take any of Pastor Dave's teachings with you wherever you go. All you have to do is go to the Apple App Store or Google Play and search for Calvary Castle Rock. Once you've installed the app, open it up and click on Teachings and then go to On the Radio. There you can listen to today's segment or any of the previous segments by broadcast date. You can also subscribe to our radio audio podcast. If you want to learn more about our ministry, Please go to our website at calvarycr.com. That's calvarycr.com. As always, thanks again for listening in today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God.